a drink called a head bump, where to get the best produce, and the Dutch concept of Heerzelig. This week, we're in Amsterdam. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies. This is the show where we explore the great cuisines of the world. And this week, we're in Amsterdam. But first, if you've enjoyed the show, be sure and give us a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Many thanks, or as we say here in Portugal, muito obrigado. Taish is the owner and tour guide for Amsterdam Food Tours, a company that takes people to see his city and experience the best of Amsterdam's food and drink. And we had such a great time talking that I asked Taish to come back next week for more Amsterdam talk. So this will be a two-parter, part one this week, part two of Amsterdam next week. This week, we're talking about getting relaxed and cozy in an Amsterdam brown bar when to order a wheat beer, and when to get a Bach, and some of the best markets in the city. Plus, Taish educates me about issues facing Amsterdam as they try to balance tourism with quality of life issues. It's very important. You might not think about this issue if you just go to visit a place, but if you've lived in places where tourism is huge, and I've lived in places like Charleston, South Carolina, and Honolulu, I can really appreciate where he's coming from. Taish and I also talk about the origin of gin and how to drink Geneva in Amsterdam. Okay, I'm starving for some food in Amsterdam, so... Let's eat. Destination. Eat, drink. Taish, welcome to Destination Eat, Drink. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast to talk about the great city of Amsterdam. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be uh, in your podcast. Taish, you were born in Amsterdam. You've lived in Amsterdam almost your entire life, so no better person to talk to about Amsterdam. Tell me, please, what makes Amsterdam such a special place for people to visit? So, uh, to most people, Amsterdam is really seen like a small global village. Um, so, just to give you a, an idea, if you jump on your bicycle, uh, you can ride from one side of the city to the other side in less than 30 minutes. And uh, by that, you'll have encountered over 180 nationalities. So, Amsterdam has more nationalities than New York, for example. And Amsterdam has this, this special vibe, and uh, for sure, if we have people from you know big countries like uh, big uh, cities like New York or London, uh, they feel just so relaxed by the pause and the uh, you know the, the limitations of, of, of we're not a very big city like other cities. Um, and of course, that combined with our beautiful architecture from the 1600s and uh, our beautiful food. So, uh, and also we, we we are a city that has all its functions inside the city. So no matter where you are, uh, you'll find a school, you'll find a bakery, you'll find a uh, your GP. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's a, just a small global village where a lot of things are happening. Um, and uh, yes, it's just a joy to live here. 
one of the things that I always see about Amsterdam, I, I follow Amsterdam on uh, online quite a bit. I watch a lot of mm-hmm. Amsterdam videos. Yep. And one of the things that I see people talk about over and over again, residents of Amsterdam, is how incredibly livable the city is, how well it functions. You talk about biking from one side to the other. It seems like everyone sure. in Amsterdam has at least one bike, <laughs> maybe maybe more sure, than right. one bike. Uh, point something. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere they go, they're riding they're riding bicycles. Yes. So it's yeah. it's it's a very it's a very livable place. Correct. Do you feel like this is a this is what the Amsterdam day to day life is like? Definitely, definitely. So if, if you have a look at my personal um, uh, situation, so uh, we are a family of four. We have two children, aged uh, eight and thirteen. So uh, I think everybody recognizes that if you live in a city and you grow up children, you'll have the question someday. What are we going to do? Are we going to move away? Uh, but here in Amsterdam, actually, it is just a joy to have children because we have all these functions, as you said. Uh, because they can they, they walk to school on their own. It's a five minutes walk to the block. Uh, my older son is on, on, on secondary school. Uh, he goes on his bike on the ferry, the other side of the city, and we feel comfortably safe with that. Uh, the, the, we have the parks where they can play. We have all the football clubs, the, you name it. So everything is is is, is really simple and located, and uh, um, yeah. So, so I, I think I think you're right how, how you address uh, how it is to be in Amsterdam. So we've got this well-functioning city, a place that's very livable. But if I were to simply read the media accounts of Amsterdam, and this is the other side that I also follow, is you know people talking about travel and tourism and whatnot. Amsterdam yeah. gets lumped in yeah. with places like Barcelona as a place that's yeah. ground zero for what's called over tourism. Correct. You know, and if if I were to only believe what I read, I would think that Amsterdam is completely overrun with wild partiers who are ruining the quality of life for people who live in Amsterdam and that it's this huge problem. How do we match these two things of Amsterdam being a livable place, but Amsterdam being an over-touristed place? Well, I think we really have to recognize that there are tensions uh, with that regard. Uh, however, it is something a bit more complex than uh, how you will find it in the media. So, uh, actually, you should see it together with uh, a couple of other problems Amsterdam has. And uh, the main problem in Amsterdam is affordable housing. Uh, it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, for young startup uh, families to find a place in Amsterdam to live in because the house prices is so uh, absurd. And somehow, some people relate it to tourism. So, somehow, they say, okay, it is a tourist to blame. It is, uh, you know, Airbnb. Uh, platforms are set to blame because they take away your houses, so for that reason, we can't live here. Uh, so it's just a bit overreacted. I mean, there's more to it. Another problem with Amsterdam is that we feel more and more uh, unhappy with our image of the city where you can do everything you want. Um, and that's actually not the case. We, are, we like to be a city where you can be whoever you are. Hmm. Um, Very good. And that is causing tension. So, so for example, if you just look, where do we have mass tourism? Where are the troubles? It's a rather limited space of Amsterdam. It's a red light district, obviously. And it is, yeah, I would say, around Dam Square for those who know Amsterdam. And there we need to improve. And, and uh, I completely agree to it. Uh, but how? There's a long way because there are many perspectives on it. 
We also we don't need to forget that we have 60,000 people working in hospitality in Amsterdam. Uh, many of them in, in you know, uh, low educated jobs that, that would have no chance on, on the labor market without a job in the hospitality industry. Uh, it's very complex. Yeah, I don't have the solution right here for you to tell Brent, but <laughs> there are many angles to it. You're not a city planner, Taish. You're a uh, you're a food tour operator, and you yeah. Well, we we try to do a bit more than that. <laughs> but, so we we like to talk about our city and its pros and cons. So, yeah, yeah, but you live there, so you certainly have an opinion, and uh, you know you have yeah. a uh, you have a very you're a very smart person, so you've got a a, a wealth of knowledge to be able to share with us. Um, let's let's talk. Talk a little bit about your food tours because you do one in a neighborhood called uh, Jordan. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, and Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Jordan. And how uh, how do you uh, how do you describe this neighborhood? What's this neighborhood like um, in Amsterdam? So, so the Jordan is is uh, actually it is I think amongst the Dutch people and the people in Amsterdam is one of the most loved. Neighborhoods, if not the most loved one. Uh, uh, we just talked about the red light district. As an Amsterdamer, you don't really go there. Or um, uh, if, if you're from outside visiting Amsterdam from a neighboring city, um, you tend to go to the Jordaan. And that has a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, the Jordaan is, has a, a kind of atmosphere uh, that is described by the Dutch, uh, uh, so you're very difficult to work now, uh, gezellig. Gezellig. Uh, <laughs> gezellig. <laughs> gezellig. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Pronounce it like you just had a herring, and then you try to, <laughs> to, to say it. Um, and it's, it's a word you really cannot translate. Um, some say cozy, but cozy is more like your physical environment. Gezellig is more. It means that you feel really well, or with friends. Uh, you're in an environment that is, you know, really snark and, and, and nice and, and you yeah, have no words for tomorrow. Everybody's the same. And the Jordan specifically has that atmosphere because this area is built in the 1600s as a former working class. So you have all the canals, you have all the houses. They're on a smaller scale. Um, and it feels very comfortable. And we have loads of these famous Dutch pubs. We call them the brown pubs. Maybe we're going to talk later about that. Um, so it's really an area where you go to enjoy each other, to enjoy good food and slow down, you know, your pace for the day, uh, go to the market. Um, and it has loads of history um, uh, to tell as well. Uh, plus, the area where we go, more northern part, it is uh, not as touristy as the city center. So, yeah, to us, it has all the ingredients. Uh, and not to forget, I just live in the Jordan or right next to the Jordan. <laughs> it's our hometown, <laughs> our home base in the city. This feeling makes it more of a state of mind of the atmosphere of the environment rather than correct. a physical feeling. Correct, correct. And, and we just talked a bit about, you know, what do people like when they fist to Amsterdam? It's that feeling of, you know, relax. Tell me about in Ordan, tell me about the uh, gable stones that are built on the facades of some of the buildings. This looked very intriguing to me. It is. And, and actually, but I'm not sure if, if they are also available in English, but if you're next time in Amsterdam, we've got a beautiful database online and you can find any cable stone and you find its meaning, where it comes from. But that's more for the hardcore <laughs> cable stone lover. Um, so they uh, have or used to have a couple of functions. Uh, the main function 
um, goes back to the 1700s when we had no street numbers in Amsterdam. It was actually only Napoleon who came here in the 1800s, early 1800s. Uh, he did a couple of smart things like you know, giving us house numbers. Um, so the cable sale was more like, an, um, uh, uh, see this way, if you bought a house and it needed to be stated in a contract, it would be described as, okay, in the call for start, the house with the uh, brown uh, ship on the gable stone that is sold for blah, 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 blah. So it was yeah, just used for administration uh, uh, function. Um, also, it could be uh, something to express your name. So, for example, if your name would be Miller, uh, you could have a cable stone of a Miller. Um, or it could be something... From the Bible, uh, you know, with a nice picture from the Bible, um, or it could express your uh, your profession uh, as well. So there's a couple of, of uh, functions, and it's also just you know to show, uh, look, I've got a beautiful house. Uh, look at me, here I am. It'd be cool to go around and take pictures and just look at these things and try to understand them a little bit better when you're in the Ordan. Um, also, yeah. when you're enjoying some great food in the Ordan. Um, Let's talk about some of the outdoor markets in Amsterdam, because one of my favorite things to do when I get to a new place is um, settle in, go to the market, yeah. get some fresh produce and, you know, make yeah. a make a yeah. little meal or make a picnic and enjoy the uh, enjoy my surroundings in my new city. Uh, tell me about the outdoor markets in Amsterdam. So in Amsterdam, we have, we have a couple of daily markets, and uh, we have uh, some that are only there on Saturdays and on Wednesday. Uh, well, I think uh, your some of your listeners who have been to Amsterdam might remember the Albert Kuip Market, uh, which is outside the city centre in the south part of uh, of Amsterdam, in a neighbourhood that's named the Bijt. It's from the 1900s. Um, and that is by far the, the largest uh, market, uh, I believe, even in Europe, daily market. Um, it has become a little bit touristy, I must admit. Um, so, <laughs> it sounds funny, but a lot of our competitors go there for, for a food market tour. Um, so, it has lost a bit of its originality. Um, so if you want to have a, like a real local Dutch daily market, I would go to some in the east or in the west, um, you know, outside of the city center. Um, and on Saturdays uh, in the Jordan, there are two markets that are really fantastic. And uh, one is a farmer's market, um, and then we have uh, a market on the yeah, sorry for my Dutch Lindenvracht Street. Okay. Then it has over two hundred stalls. Oh wow! Uh, that's fantastic food to enjoy, and uh, yeah, that it's beautiful. You know, it's uh, um, yeah, a joy to go there early in the morning and you know get your produce. Do they also have prepared dishes, like other than raw produce, fruits and vegetables and whatnot? Uh, could I go there and get a little snack when I'm hungry in the morning, doing absolutely. my Saturday morning shopping? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, if, if, for example, if you go to this, uh, the Saturday market, the farmer's market, the, the Boerenmarkt or the Noordermarkt, there's all the Dutch names for it, and maybe people can Google it. Um, that is, uh, most storekeepers are also the producers. So, for example, there's a beautiful uh, artisan bakery, you know, where the baker himself is behind uh, the stall. Uh, so, you can get yourself some fantastic bread, some fresh brewed coffee, uh, maybe a juice, etc. And then, if you feel a bit more hungry, there are some 
food trucks, but you know, the high quality ones. So you can have some Indonesian food, some Suriname food, um, the real Dutch soup, for example, you know, so actually, yeah, everything Amsterdam has to offer food wise. Uh, you can enjoy it and, and, you know, sit down and relax and maybe go for a drink in a brown pub afterwards. So yeah, definitely. Sounds like a good plan. But you've mentioned the brown pubs twice now, so let's dive into brown pubs. <laughs> what, 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 is, what does brown pub mean? Does it refer to the color of the bar itself, or is it the beer yeah, that's served no, yeah, inside? Yeah, yeah, Okay, okay. Well, I, I, I must be fancying a beer if I'm talking about brown pubs <laughs> now. <laughs> um, no, so, so it, it, the, the brown pub is, is the, the, the typical Dutch pub uh, like the, the Irish have their uh, you know specific pub or, or the British have their pub so we have the Dutch and we call the brown pub. Uh, Dutch uh, is made the brown Um and yeah you're right so these places are uh, we talked earlier about the feeling of gezelligheid and uh, the brown pub that's the cradle of gezelligheid because these places are small snug uh, very old. So, for example, we visit one, and that is in a building from 1625. Uh, so there's a lot of wood and timber, and um, you know it has been smoking there for hundreds of years. So yeah, the <laughs> nicked and stained, <laughs> make it all brown. <laughs> um, and that's where we come together, and we have our drinks. We have no music. We're there to socialize, you know, to to to, to, to chat, to gossip, etc. Have a piece of apple pie or some bitterballer and, and and a beer or gin. Uh, so yeah, it's just a splendid way, you know, to yeah to socialize. It's a bit like the living room for the Dutch um, in the neighborhood where you meet each other. Four hundred year old pub. That must the atmosphere there must just be fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. It has this very quiet, nice, serene atmosphere, um, and it is, it's beautiful. It's on, on the crossing of two canals, so yeah, you can actually you can sit there all day. Just, your holiday there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So I go into the Brown Pub. Well, what am I drinking? I, I'm going to have a beer. Uh, what kind of beer would I have? Well, I think you all know Heineken, huh? of course. Sure, is, sure. And uh, Amsterdam based. And, and next to that, you might have heard of Amstel. And that's where we, our city has our, its name from, and not from the beer, but the river, the Amstel, or the Amstel that runs through the city. Um, and we have a, uh, a huge craft beer scene in Amsterdam. I think we have over 35 or 40 craft uh, breweries. Uh, so there, there is one pub in Amsterdam, one of our favorite places actually, and they have Dutch beers only, and I think it counts at 275, 180 beers. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, yeah, go, go for a craft beer, maybe a Heineken, just you know, to get in the mood, and then a craft beer. Be careful, because they're a bit higher in alcohol, obviously. Um, yeah, and maybe try this gin, Geneva. Before we talk about Geneva, I wanted to ask you about the beers themselves because I'm curious, um, what kind of, what style of beer would the Dutch prefer? Would it be a, a lager, a pilsner, a stout? What, what kind would we be drinking typically in a brown bar? So I think we are a bit like Belgium. Um, so we love our lagers. Um, we love our triples. Um, so, you know, the blonde fresh beers and, uh, obviously, uh, IPA is big. So you see a lot of IPA combinations. 
Uh, stout, we don't have that much. Uh, what we like to drink, it looks a bit like stout. It's a bit lighter, I would say, is called a bock beer. And that's a seasonal beer, and that, that's served uh, in October, November, start of the winter times. Uh, then every brewery will have its own bock beer. You'll have competitions where you can try all of them. Um, and they'll be replaced in April, May by some uh, wheat beer with a T at the end, not a D, obviously. <laughs> um, so that's more the, uh, you know, the refreshing, uh, 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 yeah, wheat-based uh, beers that uh, are very popular to drink. So this time of year, the you know the uh, late the late spring, early summer, we'd be enjoying a wheat beer if we want to have a bock we wait for the fall till it gets a little bit colder we want a bit richer Correct. darker beer you mentioned the uh yenever uh this is a, a a gin type drink if i'm not mistaken uh tell me about this how, how do we enjoy that, this when we're in amsterdam so yeah if, if i might correct one thing uh because yes. gin is a dutch invention it's not british <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And obviously, I think in England they fly, will fly that fly that but... Dutch <laughs> fly that Dutch flag, Taish man, fly it and yes, tell, tell yes, the well, world. Well, I, 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 yes, but I have to admit, we now and then we have professional cocktail uh, barkeepers even from England on our tour, uh, and I admit that it's true. So uh, I think we can uh, <laughs> put that one on our uh, on our into our game. We'll uh, put that on the Dutch ledger. Uh, Yes, exactly. And it's also where they say where Dutch courage comes from. So the whole story behind it is that <laughs> we had, we had uh, a Geneva, uh, a Geneva in English. Um, and we had a war with Spain in the 1500s and they had the British army who came to help us out. And as supposedly we thought these English lads were, were not that brave, not fighting so hard, but we gave them a shot of Geneva, uh, Geneva <laughs> and hop, off they went into battle and we won. <laughs> uh, and since then we talk about Dutch courage. So it's, I'm not sure if it's a true story, but it's a good story. It's a great story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story, um, and that's what matters. Um, so actually, we we have two variations of of Geneva. Um, we have old Geneva, Audi Geneva, and we have young Geneva, uh, younger Geneva. But uh, it, it does not mean that the old one is matured young one. It is the uh, type and the way of making it. And the old way of making it goes back to the Middle Ages when Geneva was like a, uh, yeah, like a medicine uh, uh, drink and it, it was distilled like, like a whiskey or could even be double distilled from grain uh, with herbs like, like juniper berry, which is the central flavor in uh, both Geneva and gin. Uh, so that's what we call the, the old Geneva. And that is a bit like, like a whiskey. Um, some say a bit like a, a complex Kia even um, and you just drink it straight as it is from a glass so you do not mix it Yeah, so you, you approach it like drinking a whiskey uh, like I said um, and now we have the, the young Geneva and that is when um, uh, alcohol was uh, mass produced or ethanol and then if you just add a couple of juniper berries to it and you know and you let it flavor a little bit and you have the young Geneva, and that's very harsh. Uh, <laughs> um, you combine it with a, a good Dutch pint and one glass of Geneva. Uh, we call it a, a head bump, uh, kopstoot. Head bump. <laughs> so you both drink them at once, and you're ready for the night. <laughs> um, 
But that's also actually it's not something to 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 mix. So you still drink it as it goes. It is one for a gross combination, and that's to to have it with Coca Cola. But that's just yeah. <laughs> no, well, don't do that. <laughs> um, so just straight so, a shot, uh, just boom down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. So, uh, and then you have some gin types or some Geneva makers who also make the gin. Uh, so the gin scene is, is big in Amsterdam. We have beautiful cocktail bars and gin bars, etc. But then you will find a whole variety of international gin. Would Geneva just be in a regular brown bar or are there bars that are... Um I, I don't know, dedicated strictly to different types of Yenever, and you could go in and have a whole selection of different kinds of, of these uh, drinks. Yeah. So a brown bar will have a selection of Yenever for sure. Uh, and there are a couple of producers, distilleries that still function in Amsterdam that are very famous. There's one in the Jordaan, and they have a beautiful tasting room alongside the Heerengracht, if I'm correct. Um, and then you can try all their, uh, uh, gins, but also they make a lot of, uh, uh, other gin style drinks. Um, and then we have one and it's 400 years old and it's really called that way, but it's called fucking, um, <laughs> the fucking it's, distillery. It's a and, Dutch word. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a Dutch word. Yeah. It's a Dutch name. Yeah. So it's F O C K I N G. Uh, it's an uh, honest Dutch name. And, uh, well, it, it, it's, it's just right next to the red light district. <laughs> Appropriately. So, uh, appropriate names. Um, and also they, they, they have fantastic, uh, uh, you can enjoy there in a beautiful environment. Um, people might have heard uh, about a ball, uh, which is uh, an Amsterdam State uh, uh, distillery. Uh, so you can also go to a ball uh, tasting, for example. So yeah, there, there's more than enough to uh, to try. Uh, in Amsterdam. Well, Taish, I'm looking at the clock, and you know it's been uh, <laughs> we're well into the show, and I feel like we've got a ton more to cover. Would you sure. would you be willing sure. to come back uh, next week and talk Absolutely. some more? Because we haven't really talked about the food yet. We need to talk about Dutch no. dishes and stroopwafels yes. and things like this. <laughs> so much more to talk about, Brad. That would be an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. All right. We'll have you back next week. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. There you go. We'll have Taish back next week because there's tons more to talk about on the food scene in Amsterdam. Plus, uh, we'll talk about weed in Amsterdam, too. That'll be next week. Don't miss that. I've got links to Taisha's company, Amsterdam Food Tours, and some of the places he talked about in the show notes. Get that at radiomisfits.com slash DED184. And over at destinationeatdrink.com, our flagship website, I just posted a brand new foodie travel guide. This one is to Ireland's second largest city, Cork a place where you don't order Guinness. It's Beamish or Murphy's or maybe Franwell or maybe Rising Suns, just not Guinness when you're in Cork. You can read the whole thing for free at destinationeatdrink.com slash Cork. And maybe Cork will land on your list when you go to visit Ireland. I'm sure glad that uh, we went. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who never orders a Bach beer in the summer, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. 
Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.